0: Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this month's show we're gonna be talking about William Hartnell's story, the first one we've done for well it's quite some time actually, isn't it? We've we've picked the Space Museum uh, discuss. Um I think is uh best describe it as a bit of a curio, this one. Um but um yeah, that's how I that's how I viewed it, Paul. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so uh but we'll we'll talk about that a bit later on. But uh, but first Let's do the news. Now, unfortunately, there's no good news to talk about because, you know, during the the time that Paul and I have been away, because it's been far too hot to record um, anything during the month of July, and to be honest, it's not that cool this evening, actually, as we uh, as we record now, but unfortunately, since we've been away, we've lost two sort of acting greats, actually, um, and I think, first of all, um, obviously, I'm going to just say it's David Warner and Bernard Cribbins who have both sadly passed away. Um, now, I think the David Warner, obviously. I don't know about yourself, Paul, but I mean, I, I mean, were you sort of familiar because everyone says, "Oh yeah, the Omen" with David Warner, rather than saying "Cold War" from Doctor Who. Um, but I think that's probably that'll probably be his epitaph. I would have thought. Actually, got his head chopped off in the Omen, and, that, <laughs> and that's it. Um, but so he's one of those faces. He's just been around forever, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, always been. High class in that, not he?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think he's one of those actors, and I think I'm going to say the same for when we come to Bernard Cribbins in a moment. Um, he's one of those actors who, didn't matter what he was in, he was never bad in it. No. And I'll I say the same. It was the same for Bernard Cribbins. It was exactly the same. I sort of, put them, the pair of them up there. Was, it's something like um, Christopher Lee and, and Peter Cushing. I mean, they were in some terrible films but they never ever put in a bad performance, no matter what the material they were given. They always put in a good performance, and I think that takes a, that's a rare kind of actor. I think to be able to pull that off, yeah, because I think a lot of the time they just sort of they sort of, they, if they know they're in something bad, they just trot the lines out, don't they? But they always act with the greatest of sort of professionalism, um, and I think you know it's the same could be said of Bernard Cribbins and, and David Warner um, as well, actually. But um, I must admit that, I don't know about yourself, Paul, but it's sort of like, oh, bloody hell, Dave, you know, David Warner's died. Um, but then when Bernard Cribbins was announced, um, that knocked me for six, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a large part of our childhood, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it's just one of those people who just thought they're going to live forever,
1: because they, they've always
0: been yeah. there, hadn't they? Yeah. You know, and... And as you quite rightly say, Paul, massive part of our childhoods, like reading stuff from Jackanory and the Wombles, um, as well as being sort of the uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth, around um, fifty film uh, with Peter again with Peter Cushing. Um, so, and plus the other, I mean, you know, the films he's been like Carry On films, uh, uh, sort of films with Peter Sellers. With two, was it Two Way Stretch he was in? Yeah, with Peter Sellers. Um, yeah so oh god i mean the amount of stuff he'd been in um absolutely incredible what i mean what a what a legacy really what a legacy um but i think i think that um i think the thing that's shot me the most is would only just been recently filming for Doctor Who hadn't he
1: yeah i mean every, that seems to be everybody happy that he was around and and filming that, and then obviously he's not gonna Get to see the, the get final to see, version.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think it's it's um it's really really sad. It really is. But
1: again, as I just say he's an absolute
0: absolute legend. Um, it was really nice to read all the sort of tributes to him. Um, and everyone saying the same thing. What a what an absolutely fantastic man he was. Yeah. You know. So you you know you you kind of you can't do better than that, really. I think this you know the same thing with um, I think David Warner as well, another professional actor, completely um. He wasn't sort of he didn't like think of himself as a star or anything like that um I very nearly got the chance to interview him at uh, the Hooverville convention a few years ago. Unfortunately, at the very last moment i couldn't go and i was I was, I was apparently lined up to interview him um at some point during the day and um and I always regret that now actually I will always regret that um but yeah apparently if you if you you know if you said to me he was a star he, he didn't he, he didn't like he got but apparently he used to get a bit tetchy about that as far as he was concerned he was just an actor doing his job um and, and that was it I, th- I think again which is quite um sort of quite refreshing really considering what he'd been in i mean not only sort of Doctor, but you know star trek in the tv you know in next generation and in um the the final frontier and the undiscovered country um as well yeah. so yeah i mean and plus the other, the other films he'd been obviously, the, the obligatory, you know, The Omen. Um, but he's in things like Straw Dogs, um, Cross of Iron, um, A Christmas Carol. He was in... Of the, which version was it? Was that the Albert Finney one? Or was it the Alec Guinness one he was in? Because he's Bob Cratchit, uh, wasn't he? I really should have looked yeah, this up that before was, we started.
1: That was the Albert Finney.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Oh, hang on a minute. What was, it? What was that... Um, what was that T V version that, that popped up on Britbox? And I can't remember who played Scrooge in that. I got a funny for there was someone famous playing Bob Cratchit in that and I can't remember if that was him or not. I think you're right. I think you're right, he was it was the Albert Finney one, but Oh well, never mind. There there have been so many versions of uh, um a Christmas Carol, but uh, yeah, I mean um I think I am actually I mean i, I tell a lie memory from the Omen I have completely forgot he was in Tron as well. Yeah. Which I can think i've only seen a couple of times it's not it's not a it's not one of my favorite films if i'm if I'm perfectly honest um but yeah it's um yeah what a, what a again what an absolute legacy and i think you know to, to lose them both in the same week like that was um yeah that wasn't that, that that wasn't the news we wanted especially you know um i think as i said bernard Cribbins hit you know surprised a lot of people it really did and um yeah i just say I, yeah. I, I just tip me hat to both of them absolute legends the pair of them
1: no, totally. I mean, I think I can now finally stop looking at the when the honours lists come out and say, "Well, how hasn't he got a knighthood?"
0: Exactly. Yeah. How?
1: Yeah. I don't know how Bernard
0: Cribbins got. You know, did did not get an When you see other other people who do get knighthoods for, yeah, I don't know. Um, but the, you say the amount of work he's done over the years. uh sure, is it, What was is, is he a CBE? It Bernard OBE.
1: Cribbins. Was it OBE? OBE, I couldn't be, yeah. I mean, I think he. Because I had wondered whether perhaps he just didn't want the awards, but he obviously took got an OBE. Mm. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought he maybe was, um, you know, a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more, up, you know, up, up, the, up the pecking order than that. Really, for, for in, if, you, if you if you're into that kind of thing, I know people sort of dismiss the the whole honours list thing now, but um, I mean, someone like him, he was he was sort of deserving of it. To be honest, well,
1: I mean, yeah, you 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 either take the view that it's really just a, an outdated um, thing in this day and age, yeah. Or if, but if you are gonna um, do it, then yeah, why, 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 why hasn't
0: why he? hasn't he got yeah? Why didn't he get one exactly? Yeah, exactly. That's, uh...
1: So, and that, that, this will be my last time. I, I oh, remember. I know. It's,
0: it's so it's so incredibly sad. It really is. Um... And I just sort of thinking, you know, you know, he means something to us because we grew up with him. But I think the same thing. I found, I found out he he because I, I I texted you, didn't I, to say Bernard Cribbins yeah. apart, and you you went no, you know, like that. I found out from Scott. Um, if you don't know Scott, his uh, listeners, he's my son. Um, he sent. Me, I was at work and he sent me a message saying Bernard Cribbins has died, and I couldn't believe it. Immediately looked on the BBC News, and sure enough. Um, there, there it was. But, uh, but of course, Scott and and my daughter Amelia—they uh, both, know, not just when Scott knows him from Doctor Who. Um, but really they're both known from Old Jack's Boat, um, from CBBS. Um, and again, it was Bernard Cribbins sitting down telling a story. Yeah. Which, which, which is just well, I I said <laughs> I said read to was it classic Cribbins really? That's he was so good at it. You know, that's what he did. On, wasn't he one of the, um,
1: the people asked back the most times on Jack and Ori? I think yeah. I think he was something like. I think he was. The, he's the one who's been on the most, and then. Um, about about twenty times at least, I think. Yeah, more than anybody else.
0: Absolutely amazing, amazing, but but. Oh god! Okay. Now, now I'm sort I think of. So oh, Williams was second. I think so. he was. I think you're right. Yeah, but the thing is, the more I'm sort of thinking about what Bernard Crimmins has done, I now keep thinking, oh yeah, Forty Towers, when he yeah. played the Spoon Salesman. We, we, I mean, again, what what a fantastic performance, and 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 so unlike what he'd sort of done before. An absolute obnoxious guest at the hotel, um, insufferable, really, but. Um, yeah, but that's the thing you could turn his hand to just about anything.
1: Comedies, straight roles, you know Well I think you know, thanks to Talking Pictures, we've recently been able to see uh his version of Dangerous Davis. Yes, of the course. Detective. Uh,
0: yeah. Um now for those of you who don't know Dangerous Davis, it's Peter Davison played him in a in a, a short lived series on I T V um some some years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's always a Doctor Who connection when we're <laughs> discussing things. But uh, yeah, so we got we got to see his his version of it. Um, it's not a bad film, actually.
1: No, and um, yeah, and just not a not a, a role that you'd necessarily have associated him taking.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. He could turn his hand to anything, Bernard Cribbins. That's what I loved. I mean, obviously. Um, Oh God! I was keep saying most famous for now. I'm thinking probably most famous for the Railway Children, playing the part of Perks hmm. in that. Um, again, it was quite a sort of how can I put it? You, I mean, have you seen the Railway Children, Paul? I mean, I'll be yes. Yeah, I was going to say who who hasn't of our age you know, has not seen the Railway Children? I, mean,
1: I wasn't going to admit that I haven't seen the Omen earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not into horror films, children. Paul, so I, I can understand no. if
0: you haven't. <laughs>
1: But, um, no one gets decapitated by a train in the railway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but again, it's a, a, you know it's quite a, a tetchy kind of character who's playing there. But again, delivered with, with yeah. uh, full of pathos as well. And it was ah, oh, he's he's going to be really missed, really missed. And the fact he yeah. was working right up to the end as well just shows what a fantastic act. And so with David Warner as well, huh. they're both acting. You know, well into their huh. sort of. But David Warner is in his eighties. um, Bernard Crimm is into his 90s no sign of stopping either of them um, and it's very rare for sort of actors of their, of their age to be in demand all the time so I remember um, was it Robert Hardy because he, he was before he died he was saying he, he was finding it impossible to get work at his age because no one would insure him yeah but yeah fantastic, fantastic but they both kept working right up to the very end um, and, and, and giving it everything I mean, a- absolutely everything. So they're, they're both going to be really, really missed.
1: I mean, do do we know for certain that he actually shot all the scenes he had to do?
0: I don't know. I don't know. That that's that's the sad thing. Um, and I'm hoping it's not a case of they didn't have they didn't film all these scenes, so therefore they've got to reshoot stuff. I, I think they are doing some pickup sh- um, shoots, as I understand it. Um, but I don't know if, if it's in relation to Bernard Cribbins passing, I've got absolutely no idea. Oh. I do hope not I mean, yeah, though. I do hope not. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Uh, I mean I was just looking down the list. I mean 'cause we we never even mentioned probably my from the wrong arm of the law. Oh yes, of course. So, you know, it's yeah, it's a lot there.
0: Oh god. That's I think there's so yeah. much to mention, isn't there? I, I, I still can't believe he, he's passed away. I really can't because I said it, it's such no. a such a shock. And I said he's one of those people who thought were going to live forever, or you know, you, you know, really did. Because um, huh. he's just been a constant. Even now, he was a constant, you know, on, on, on you know, appearing on stuff. So uh, ah, such a shame, such a shame. So uh, anyway, so we, we just we just off our caps to, to, to uh, Bernard Cribbins and David Bourne have both sadly passed away. Yes. Anyway. um... Well, that's pretty much it for the uh, for the news, really, isn't it? There isn't anything else to discuss. So, um, and I don't think it's, it's it's you know after those two titans, you know, discuss discussing those two titans there. Um, whether it's actually if there was any news, I, I don't think we could really follow it, really. No, uh, follow that what we just discussed there. So, um, so coming up next, uh, Paul and I will be discussing the Space Museum, um, starring William Hartnell as the first Doctor. So, for another week then, or another month rather, that was the news. Okay, everybody, we're now gonna talk about the Space Museum and let's listen to a little clip.
2: Maybe it's a dumping ground. No, I don't think so, my boy, no. No, uh, all those things up there come from a different period. Well, there isn't any sign of life. Mm. Look, there's a building. What do you make of that, Doctor? Well, I'm afraid I can't give you any answers here, my dear. You mean you want to go and have a closer look, eh? Yes, I don't see why not. Uh. After all, the readings say it's quite safe. Safe? Hmm? Well, the readings don't always tell
0: us everything, you know. Now, obviously, with this uh, little uh, review or discussion, I should say it's not a a review, it's a discussion, um, we'll be talking about the televised version and the target novelisation as well and seeing what the sort of differences are between them. And uh, now it's my turn to go first, and I'm going to go right off the bat. There are massive differences between the televised version and the written version. Yes. Yes. Big, big version uh, differences. Uh, now, I'm not entirely certain um, whether I really enjoyed either fully. To be to be perfectly frank, I think the if we sort of start with the, the the sort of the the first episode really, which I think is really good. It sets the scene, and I love that thing about them that the whole mystery about not leaving footprints in the sands, the bit with the glass. That Vicky drops it, it jumps back up into her hands, right up to the bit where they see themselves in the glass cases. Um, which I think,
1: do, 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 do we do we start with this talking about the story? Do we like the story? Well, before we get down well, to... I, I think
0: that this is what this is what leads me into it because it. I think this is very much a story of two halves because I think the first episode, well, actually, what, how can I put it? It's a story of like four quarters, really, because this is. Um, the first quarter is great. I think the mystery and everything about where they are, and, and especially in the, in the, the novelisation as well, really sets it up. With uh, they, they seem things happening, but um, they, the people around, can't see them, and, and that's elaborated on, which I'll come to in a minute. But the rest of the story, I think, is boring as hell with really boring adversaries. Um, boring Rebels and it just becomes very, very sort of bog standard after that really brilliant premise mm. and they I go yeah, yeah, yeah. what's your take on it?
1: I think this may be one of the few mm. where I actually prefer the TV version to the book now normally I like the books because they if they can give the book what disappoints me usually in the books is if they just give you a straight running of the TV mm. Now this doesn't, but I have huge problems with the book. Yeah. Now
0: I think apparently so did Dennis Spooner. Um, who was the it was the editor at the time. This is because this fell in uh, 1965, which is like the second series of Doctor. And Dennis Spooner was the um, the editor or story editor, I should say. And he cut a lot of the humour out of out of Glyn Jones' script. And I think this is the only script that Glyn Jones contributed to Doctor, if I'm right. Um, but he also wrote the novelisation, and he put everything back into the novelisation, didn't he? Which makes it a completely different story, almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest problem, actually, with the book is I actually just got... Which, you know, is is a decent premise and decent set-up on whatever. Yeah. Is the actual constant sniping between the Doctor and Ian...
0: Yeah. It, is, t- ...is too Yeah, much. Ian is... Tetchier than the Doctor, yeah. In this, he's and it doesn't. No, no, he's sniping at him at every turn, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's not Ian. Um, (laughs) No, it's yeah. I just don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't get what that is achieving at all. Because we're quite. You know, it's not. You know, we're a long way into their relationship with the Doctor by now. So yeah. Because
0: obviously, this is post Susan. This is Vicky. This is this is you know, Ian, Barbara, and Vicky at this point. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, as yeah. you say, you're, you're so, w- we're so way past all that, aren't we? <laughs> we should be.
1: I mean, and it's yeah, it's. I mean, whether it was to to highlight, and obviously spoilers if you if you've not seen this or read the book, but whether it's to you know to highlight the the heroic at the Ian at the end where you know he still would risk everything to rescue the doctor. Yeah. But no, I just yeah. I, I I was really struggling through that first bit, and it's quite a long chapter as well. It is, actually. actually, Do you know
0: what? I find it quite a... a, um, How can I put it... I can't put it politely. It was a slog.
1: Yeah. I I don't know whether this is, obviously, you know, shows my limitations as someone reading books, but I do find a long chapter to be heavy going. (laughs) Well, do you know what... Unless it's really got you and you don't necessarily notice that you, have and I noticed that the chapters were going on a bit because you sort of started to think that you say, "Oh, I just, ca- I'll, I'll, I will just, ca- I'll just finish this chapter and then I'll go and do something else." Yeah. And it was just like, is this chapter ever ending?
0: Well, no, I, I gave up through some that I just thought, no, I, I need to put it down. I need to put yeah. it down and I'll come back to it, you know, tomorrow evening or you know, or the couple of days time, or whatever. Because yeah. I I just really did not engage with this at all. Um. And I understand this was a bit of a budget-saving episode as well, which probably might explain why it's not a particularly exciting story. So none of them really get. And okay, you get the usual thing, you know, that the companions are split up, and Hartnell's missing for a for a you know complete episode. It's episode three that he's missing, um, mm. and I, I just thought, no, it's it's not really going anywhere. I think the, I mean, the Mor rocks who are the, the the you know, the bad guys of the piece were because they're moronic bowl accounts. Uh I'm not gonna disagree with that, they're probably some of the worst antagonists written for Doctor Who.
1: And they have two hearts. Yes.
0: Which according to the it, book according to the book. Um which didn't really go, go anywhere. anywhere. No, exactly. Um Like the whole thing with the missing button on Ian's jacket, they were trying to remember whether the button was missing well, but it didn't really. The particular, the televised version, it
1: didn't really go anywhere. They just thought, "Oh, I wish I could remember," no. and that was it. No, well, this, 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 this actually is something that annoyed annoyed me, and it's like you know, my sort of actually probably going to be the pun here, nitpicking of stuff. Yeah, um, because I actually watched this slightly different. I actually started to read the book, and then I, and I actually. Did find myself thinking. Usually, I will read the book, then I will go and watch the TV yeah. TV version if I haven't seen it for a long while, because yeah. then I can get my own image of what stuff's happening. In the well, book. yeah, because I, I think I've seen then the Space Museum. The I've seen the
0: Space Museum twice, and I think the first time was yeah. when you get, when you used to record off UK Gold those years ago, and the second time was when I bought the DVD, and I hadn't watched it yeah. since.
1: So. Yeah, I mean probably the previous time I saw the Space Museum was was just before I gave you the DVD <laughs> for UK. Go on. Um so yeah, so I don't I tend to write to read the book, get the images in my mind and then see how it compares to the T V yeah. version. I actually got halfway through well, a quarter of the way through this book and then just decided, you know what, I'm gonna watch the T V version because I might actually just get on with the book better if i know what's actually going where it go where it's going yeah
0: do you know what i did exactly the same as you i did exactly the same oh. thing i read a bit of the book put it down i'll thought i pick up the dvd and then started watching Then went back to the book again i kept flip-flopping between the two um right. it did improve the experience for me i've got to be honest
1: <laughs> no i think i did enjoy the book but as like i said i enjoyed the tv much more than i enjoyed the book and i can't other than, it just, yeah, it just doesn't, the book just didn't, and there's some good ideas in the book, and there's bits, but there's bits in the book that really... Well, it's, it's... You just thought, I'm not sure, why. But anyway, yeah. get, sorry, getting back to the button yeah. question, that was, was what I was raising it on. I watched the TV thing, fine, yeah. and they mentioned the button, I've got up to the point, I think I must have got up to the end of the first, up to the point where... I mean, that was the thing. You're halfway through the book by the time you get to the point where they see themselves in the cabinets, but that's the end of the first episode. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a, so you know, much... there's an awful lot packed into that in the book because you've got the whole thing of them sort of being out of phase kind of thing with it on, on the different time yeah. track, as the doctor calls it. Um, and in one minute, they can be seen. where they move into a different part of the museum, they, they're... They they've disappeared again. It's
1: like it's like there's time bubbles. Yeah,
0: and I like that. I don't think
1: worked. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that worked as an idea because so I think it just took it out of. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't fit the premise at the end. Well, no, no.
0: That's what I mean. That's what I mean because it it, it sets up this. I think the premise to begin with is brilliant, and I like and I did. I must admit, I did like the the, the opening part in the book where the, the the whole mystery and then and these little, as you, as you say, bubbles of time or tracks of time. They kept sort of skipping. Battles and falls until everything's sort of lined up again. I I quite like that. Um but then it was just wasted. I know we've got this whole thing where they've got to try and make sure this future doesn't happen. Um But yeah. it, it was just a very generic escape capture, escape capture will goes missing story for an episode kind of
1: story, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, but anyway. So I'll get back to the button <laughs> as we seem to be as we seem to be skipping and jumping in time. Push the, time. the button, <laughs> right? So yeah, so the TV does it, sets it up. The oh, can you remember whether you'd lost the button mm. or not? No. The book does it and then comes back to it two or three times with Ian wondering, wondering. yeah, can I? Can you remember? And if you could remember, then that would give them the answer. All the time, in both the TV and the book, Barbara's cardigan is unraveled that she's wearing in the chair absolutely right, and no one thinks of you are that absolutely as absolutely right of they're course. worrying about a little button, but they've totally destroyed i mean unless unless Lobos was going to knit it back together again <laughs> before he put them in the My well, guess you're absolutely right, Paul. And I I watched the TV thing and I thought, oh, the book's got to address that. And it did. No, it didn't. They kept on with the button thing. And never mentioned. Never mentioned the
0: cardigan. No, you can get away with that in the book because it doesn't mention her wearing, she had the cardigan on. But in the TV one, no, you can't get away with it.
1: Well, well, no, but it does, it does, although it doesn't necessarily mention, it does say in the book, dressed exactly as they are now.
0: Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. Oh, blimey. That's 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 a that's a big that's a big error. Just goes to show how how quickly these things were turned around. I mean, Dennis Spooner as well. That's why I can't say about Dennis Spooner in this because he injected a lot more humour into them. I mean, if you think the next story is the chase, yeah, um, yeah. which is okay. You have got the Daleks chasing the TARDIS crew through time, and it it's just playful laughs all the way through. You know, you you got you got that um, that that talks a bit dim, like you know, it's you know, it's a bit you know, really play for comedic effects and you have got Peter Purvis with, as Morton Dill, um, again play for comedy. The, 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 the haunted house thing again play for comedy, and that's why I'm a bit surprised that Dennis Spooner wanted to take the humour out of this story. Uh, I, I don't know whether it would have benefited from it a bit more, but I'd, but again, I mean, the, I think it was unintentionally funny because I said because the Morocks were absolutely useless as,
1: as antagonists. Yeah, and and the um, and, cer- and certainly with no better. I mean, they, they didn't improve by being drawn out. That he almost becomes, you know, sort of neurotic pill popping. Yeah, exactly. Which would,
0: which again, wasn't that the pill popping thing wasn't mentioned in the um or shown in the televised yeah. version?
1: As I, I suppose the not not or or even or even the computer, the mobile computer that he. You know, played
0: chess with and then shot in a yeah. fit of um, a fit of peak, wasn't it? So,
1: and and yeah, and you know, yeah. Obviously, whether it was done, to, obviously was done. I think to to sort of show where he's where the lot. But all the people had were, were numbered, mm. and the computer was named. I oh,
0: know, Matt of all things, M A double T Matt. Yeah. Matt. yeah. Not particularly exciting over a computer, is it?
2: <laughs> no.
1: But I think it was just sort of, you know, that that was, you know, the friend he had and everyone else was just, you know, it's almost like a reversal that the computer was the most human per- human thing in there and then everyone else was just the was just a robot.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um and I think the, the Xerons were um pretty sort of cardboard cut out blend... Characters as well. I think the only one they tried to give a little bit of uh, a character to was Sita. who was very nervous and um you know didn't want to really tell Vicky anything because she was a spy and you know. So that was the only one that sort of gave any character. Um, yeah. And of course, on the on in the book, on the way to the armory, you've got that arduous journey in in, in pitch darkness when you find out the Zerums can
1: see in the dark. Um, yeah. But again, that that was. I mean, the the only bit the bit bit I did like about that was Vicky saying about how cold they were to the touch. Mm. And then you get it from him saying about how clammy mm. these humans yeah. are, these Earth people are, which I thought was quite a nice twist on, on that. Yeah, it
0: was. And also at the end as well, rather than just... You've got the Xerons just... Um, Storming and shooting everyone as you as you get at the end of the, the televised version. In the book version, they disguise themselves as the the Moroc guards because they are in helmets, so they can. But again, they don't wear the helmets in the in the televised version. So again, unless that was something got that got cut for budget reasons, you know, the, the you know, helmeted guards. Yeah. You know, don't know, but.
1: But yeah, I mean, but you also have you know you have which isn't in the TV series is. Was it Pluton the guard? Yeah, who is just basically in the background in the TV. Yeah, When I mean, he's he's captured by Ian and forced to take them to to the Doctor. Yeah, but um, doesn't actually do much. Actually, does have an important part in the second half of the of this. It, it, and actually yeah, in the it's book. Quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting character. Yeah, I mean even to the point of the. <laughs> the whole, when Vicky and Barbara are ambushed once they meet up again mm. outside the, and basically the two Zeros with them get killed or at least get injured. Yeah, in the book it does explain that a one's only stunned and the other one he te- he says to act dead and he just says remember them. me, doesn't he? Remember me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he turns around and says to the commander, "This one's dead as well." So I mean, that was quite an interesting. Obviously, obviously because he knows that actually, if the revolution is put down, he's going to be court-martialed for cowardice and whatever, whatever else. Yeah, exactly.
0: We're just they're just being a a, a rock really. Is it? Yeah,
1: yeah. It No,
0: it wasn't. It really wasn't that that great of uh, a, a, a televised episode. And I think it's not one I'm going to return to very quick, you know, but anytime soon I should say. Uh, the novel I usually the novels, as you say, the novels, they they sort of rattle through at a quick pace. They they drop in additional things just to sort of obviously things that they can't get away with on television for budget reasons or, you know, or, or whatever. Oh, maybe Flesh maybe out maybe characters a bit more. But in this, no, it just made it worse if anything, which is
1: I mean the, the I mean the interesting thing was obviously that you don't get in the T V in which you can understand why you don't get it in a in a six o'clock on Yeah or before six o'clock on a Saturday night is the massacre while they're still out of time. Yeah. Which was quite good and also obviously set you the you know, points completely as to who are the the good guys and the bad guys in this story. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Um I th- and the other the other but, thing that's um, Missing from the book, uh, but it's included in the televised version, is right at the very end. You don't see it, and you don't see it all the way through the story either. Is the introduction of the space time visualizer that no. plays a big part in the in the next in the next story, the chase? Uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't see it at all in the museum, so it wasn't. it sort of like something the doctor. Oh, I know what that is, and they sort of come back to that later. It's just sort of oh, I've had this installed in the TARDIS, and then Ian having a go for putting more oh. junk um, inside again. So, um, but again, that's just that's just not mentioned at all in the book, and I think that's probably just a, um, a late addition. I, w- I would have thought to, to, the, to the filming script, just to sort of know they're so they sort of thinking. Dennis Spoon was thinking ahead about what they can do for the next story for the. For then, whereas the Daleks are chasing them.
1: Yeah, you sort of think whether. A- the script for the next episode came in while after this had already been. they was already started filming. Yeah. <laughs> yes, almost. You know, and I suddenly thought, oh, could need to put that in then at the end to explain how that. that's done. Got got it. It. Yeah, rather exactly, than, exactly. Rather than it being part of the thing. Actually, talking talking about stuff in the museum. Hmm. The one good thing in the book I quite liked was the fact that they, because you all sort of you also had the thing about the revolution. Yeah. If they have a revolution. What's to stop the Morats coming back? Well, in the book, they do explain that they've got uh, they've basically been working. One of the things in the museum was a basically planet deflector shield, mm. which they'd got nearly up to it was basically working if they put it all together. Yeah, so I quite like that being in the you know, that that you know. That's the sort of things that you sort of pick up in books that I quite like when they sort of go into explaining where there could be a hole in the plot. Yeah, But, no, like I said, I didn't quite... I didn't like the, I didn't like the idea of the pockets in time with Vicky being captured and Ian having to go and rescue her. No, I, I,
0: I, I like that bit. I liked it because it just, it just built on the mystery. But, yeah, I, I kind of can't understand why. But then, obviously, you're saying things are corrupt plot holes. Well, it was the massive hole in, uh, in, in Barbara's cardigan, really, wasn't it? So...
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and um, I was going to say something else as well. Then I can't. Oh yeah, the other thing is in the book. Um, I can't remember which one of the the rebels had a gun mm. before they got to the armory. But then when they talk about why don't you overpower or take the weapons from them, they say, well, if we if one weapon gets stolen, they take hostages. But you think? But he's got a gun. He's got a gun, exactly, One of them's which already, you, got a gun. which they must have taken so, from a guard why?
0: at some point.
1: Yeah. yeah. So why why wasn't their hostages taken? Yeah. Or did they just say, "Oh, well, we can let those die"? I don't want a gun.
0: So <laughs> this is the thing. It's obviously a very cheap episode because they they reuse sets and and it was a bit of a cost saving exercise. I don't know if it's because of of the next story. Uh, coming up. because yeah, was, Obviously, I think the next one must have been quite expensive with lots of different sets. You also had the mechanoid props for the next story as well, which I, I would imagine uh, would have cost a bit. But just because you've got a cheap story doesn't necessarily mean to say the story is necessarily bad. But unfortunately, in this case, not a lot of thought went into it. Yeah, they're the, they're, oh. as you say, a great premise to it. The, the first episodes... Um, Set the scene nicely, then it was just squandered after that. I felt, and I don't think I could I can really yeah. sort of elaborate on, on this story anymore, no. really, because I think it, it was just, it's such a bit of, it's just a bit of a uh, a damp squib of a story. This one, which is a shame, because I think it could, well, I, th- I mean, think it could have been better.
1: It could have been better. I mean, I think it was, I think it was a good idea. I think it, yeah, it, it did become a bit more of a just a form of like, oh yeah. Uh, Revolution, yeah, story. very much so. Um, but no, I mean, I, th- I didn't mind it, I didn't mind the TV. The TV is four episodes, quite quick, went through quite nice, bit mm-hmm. like just that. The book, yeah, just took some work, yeah, it did. And especially, especially the first, what, what, what was basically the book covering what the first episode covered. Um, yeah, it was just a bit,
0: yeah, sometimes less is more, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, really was in this case, really was. But uh... well, I think that's probably a good point to end this, Paul, because I think we're just going to continue just sort of, A, probably discussing the right. same things yeah. over and over again because there's there's yeah. not a lot to it really. That's that's the that's I think that's the problem. There's not a lot to it once you've got past the first episode. There's not really much to this story, which is as I say, it's, it's a shame. It could right. have been it could have been so much better. Um, I mean, for, you know, for nine sixty five to have like a and I hate using this expression, you know, a wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey kind of story. And they see themselves yeah. as, as museum um, um, exhibits. It was a fantastic thing. Um, must have been sort of completely different, you know, to see you know, in 1965, you know, for Doctor Who. And as, yeah. as we said, it was just squandered after that. It didn't... It, it just sort of stopped at the end of that first episode. And that was
1: it. Yeah. Such a shame. Such a shame. Oh, well... So, if I mean, actually, actually getting back to yeah, getting back to actually the the time bubbles thing, yeah, because you actually then don't get the forward bit of that, yeah, as in Vicky being captured and Ian rescuing her, then doesn't happen, no, it doesn't, no, which then would have actually, fair enough, you're going to do that, then you need to incorporate that so we get to the oh, we've had this bit before, yeah, you know. You could even say Ian, knowing that he was he was he was safe when he attacked them, because he'd already seen already it. Already seen it happen already. Yeah, exactly. He'd rescue. He already knew he rescued yeah. her. But they just then. But the book just ignored it after that. Yeah. I and mean, if if he was going to introduce it, that then you would then follow that through later on as well, and it didn't do no, that.
0: No, It didn't. It didn't.
1: And I don't think you can blame Dennis Spooner. For
0: no, that, not really. That not happening in the book. No, no, that was that was purely Glyn Jones. That that was all his own work, yeah. wasn't it? So, yeah, oh dear. Oh, well, that's a shame because uh, we hadn't done a Hartler one for a while, and I thought, well, let's, let's do the Space Museum. And it's sort of, I didn't remember too much about it, if I'm honest. And no. that's probably why, because no there's one. not a lot to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, shame. Big shame. Anyway, anyway, I think that just about wraps up this little discussion for, uh, for another episode. Um, so when we're back next, I don't know what we're going to be doing. I suppose it's going to be a big finish story, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so I have to uh, think that's going to be. Yeah. Hopefully, between now and then, uh, Scott will be back um, on the podcast, um, and also beginning of September, which is, I think we really when, when Paul and I will will both be back on on the on the same show or same episode, I should say. Um, Scott and I are going to be at the Hooverville Convention um, in Derby um, on the third of September. So, um, if if you're attending, come say hello. If you if you know if you know who we are. Um, It'd just be nice for someone, who, a, a listener, to come and say hello. 11 years, well nearly, you know, um, well, nearly 11 years we've been doing this, Paul, and no one's actually said hello to us. <laughs> huh. Would be nice. Would be nice. Yeah. Would, you, would you, though, really? Seriously. No, I wouldn't, actually, <laughs> no. Knowing me, Paul, I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> no, exactly.
0: Oh, <laughs> Oh, Christ. Anyway, then let's that, wrap that up there as we insult, our, uh, as I insult myself. So, <laughs> so for another uh, for another episode, then it's goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul.
2: Goodbye. There I was a digging his hole, all in the ground, so big and so sort around of it was, and there was I. Digging it deep, it was flat at the bottom and the sides were steep. ¶ When along comes this bloke in a bowler, which he lifted and scratched his head. ¶ Whoa, he looked down the hole, poor demented soul, and he said, ¶ Do you mind if I make a suggestion? ¶ Don't dig it there, dig it elsewhere. ¶ You're digging it round and it ought to be square. ¶ The shape of it's wrong, it's much too long. ¶ And you can't put a hole where a hole don't belong. ¶¶ I ask, what a liberty, eh? Nearly bashed him right in the bowler. Well, there was I, stood in me shovel shoveling earth. For all that I was worth, I was, and there was him, standing up there, so grand and official, with his nose in the air. So I gave him a look, sort of sideways, and I leaned on me shovel and sighed, Whoa, I lit me a fag, and Ebbing took a drag, I replied. I just couldn't bear to dig it elsewhere I'm digging it round cause I don't want it square And if you disagree it doesn't bother me That's the place where the hole's gonna be Well there we were discussing this hole Hole in the ground so big and sort around of round it was It's not there now The ground's all flat and beneath it is the blow in the bowler That's that.